Welcome to Knowing Kenning. This is Mike Merrill, and I'm here with Lori Waller. Hi, Mike. Hi, everyone. We're so excited to talk to you about a really important topic today. Lori, I know you have coached a lot of folks, especially people in leadership roles, and I think you're beginning to see some patterns. You're finding some facets of leadership that are especially important. I would say that leadership versatility is the skill set I'm seeing as most effective in leaders and executives these days, from profiles I've studied to leaders and executives with whom I've worked. This is really informing a lot of my work and focus in coaching engagements. And I think leadership versatility is opening doors for effectiveness and business results. We all have a sense of what versatility means, but what does it mean in this context, leadership versatility? To me, it means that when leaders develop a variety of approaches for how they team up with professionals in their environment, how they handle different contexts, they really can create enhanced engagement and improved performance levels. To take it to a metaphor, which we former management consultants like to do all the time, I think of it as leadership fluency, as almost a multilingualism. So people can move on from a native tongue, a default, or a one-size-fits-all leadership style and really develop multiple leadership languages so they can collaborate and communicate almost adaptively and uniquely with colleagues, clients, customers, partners, so that they can meet the expectations and needs of those individual dynamics. You've mentioned some of the kinds of languages they need to speak, the languages of colleagues, partners, clients, et cetera. But also I would think that because there's a focus today on leaders, not just hiring the people who look and sound and have the backgrounds that are most like them, but are being encouraged to hire a broad range of people, that that would require some fluency, as you put it. Exactly. To really harness the diversity and strength of a variety of colleagues, members of a team, it really is an opportunity for a leader to speak these multiple languages. So I have a philosophy that the most effective leaders almost view their workday, their day full of meetings and contexts as if they're traveling around the world. If they can think through each context they're walking into and what language to speak to be most effective, what gestures, what norms, what principles will work best in that moment, that's when they're getting the most out of the people, the talent, the ideas around them. And they can't do that if they only have one style. So it's that versatility that's context-specific, audience-specific, almost as if they can turn their own dial to be effective in a variety of settings. Those are the leaders who I admire most, who I'm seeing as most effective and impactful. Lori, obviously, this is a huge topic with a lot of different angles that we could discuss, but I think today you wanted to focus on a particular measurement tool that you find helpful in facilitating this fluency. If I were to keep with that international example, that multilingual leadership, there is a resource that I find to be particularly effective at enabling that. I think of it as the passport the leader can carry to move around the world in a day to be effective in a variety of contexts. And that's the Berkman method. So I've heard about the Berkman method from you and from some of your colleagues at Kenning, but what is it? 
So the Berkman method is named after Dr. Roger Berkman. He was a fighter pilot in World War II and also an instructor. He was shot down piloting a plane over Belgium and escaped Nazi forces to return to the US. He pursued a PhD in industrial and organizational psychology because he was so interested in the individual differences he saw in both visual and interpersonal perceptions, how they impacted pilot performance and learning, that he went on to develop this methodology that started in the 50s, has now celebrated its 70-year anniversary, and is an outstanding tool that leaders can use to really develop versatility. So many of us in leadership have taken all of the different surveys. This one is a little lesser known, but in my opinion, more impactful than some others. It has been completed by millions of people. It's been used by thousands of companies worldwide. It's used in 40 countries and has been delivered in more than 20 languages. And finally, it has been validated by the US National Science Foundation. What does the Berkman method measure? It reveals four key perspectives for leaders, motivation, self-perception, social perception, and mindset. And in understanding these perceptions and how they influence each other, individuals can better understand the emotions and actions that drive their approaches to work in life, as well as those that drive their colleagues. You said there are four key perspectives, motivation, self-perception, social perception, and mindset. Can you tell us first about motivation? In a Berkman report, we learn about motivation and interests. So there's a particular component of this report that tells us what types of activities will foster greater engagement and enjoyment, as opposed to those that can drain energy or result in fatigue. And knowing about motivation and interests helps people find fulfilling career paths, fulfilling roles, and can ensure workplace satisfaction. That's motivation. What about self-perception? So self-perception reveals how we see ourselves and it drives much of how we show up in the world around us. It's driven certainly by how we've learned to use certain styles to get positive results in past situations. And Berkman calls this usual behavior. It's measured on the assessment as typically how a person feels they approach tasks, manage relationships, or contribute to their community. So imagine a continuum with very different descriptions on each pole, maybe decisive decision maker versus considerate decision maker. We will get to know a leader's usual, meaning how they usually approach a particular component of their work. What I love about usual, it's a marker of where they start, of where they sort of default. And what's really interesting is that Berkman's tells us that the usual is both learned and adaptable. So this is the moment when leaders can display their versatility by trying alternate styles along a continuum to pick what will work best in a variety of situations. So that's self-perception. What about social perception? So social perception is an individual's underlying context or filter that they use to determine if a current situation feels comfortable. Because this is a measure of an internal state, it's not always apparent to others how someone will act or react when circumstances change. Berkman calls this needs. 
And this information allows a leader to anticipate their reaction to new or changing situations. Hopefully, this will allow them to avoid the resulting stress behavior that might show up if they don't manage these expectations. And these needs and expectations are an invisible driving force behind behavior. And frankly, they're the differentiator between Berkman and some of the other instruments out there. And then finally, mindset, I think you said is the last key perspective. Right. In any professional development, understanding mindset or framing or core thoughts are really key to advancing skills and effectiveness. So behind every personality and behavioral style is this deeply rooted set of attitudes and perspectives that impact everything we do. This is the last element of Berkman that's really important to uncover that allows people to set a path forward for leadership development. So in addition to these four key perspectives, motivation, self-perception, social perception, and mindset, is there anything else that's provided? There is plenty of occupational data available through Berkman also. Berkman does a really nice job of comparing a respondent's answers to their extensive database to point out how similar responses were to people in various functions and industries. It can be used for career selection, career change. There is a world of possibilities, and that information can be used in that occupational selection way. So you've mentioned usual needs and stress behavior. How are these interconnected? This is why Berkman can be really valuable. Usual behavior is your strength behavior, the style you exhibit when things are going well. These are strengths and how others see you. Needs are what you need from other people and your environment to be satisfied and engaged. And when your needs are met, your usual or strength behavior shines. But when your needs are unmet, you are likely to respond with a reactive, ineffective, unproductive behavior that exhibits stress. Examples might be when you're impatient, when you're edgy, overly competitive, for example. So Berkman really makes this connection that if you know your needs, if you negotiate to get them met, if you pick projects and roles where you're more likely to be treated the way you want to be, your strengths will shine. What does that look like when your strengths actually shine? Imagine the picture of a tree outside your window. Picture a tree that's thriving, big, bright, green, shiny leaves, that would be a tree performing in its strengths, likely because its needs were met. Maybe the ideal soil conditions, hydration level, amount of sunlight. So when needs are met, the usual behavior, the strengths and style show up. But when the needs are not met, imagine a drought, imagine a storm, something either intense and short or prolonged, you'll end up displaying stress behavior. That would look like a tree with its leaves falling off and its bark beginning to curl. Berkman does this really nice job of helping leaders understand their own needs so they can get them met and thrive. But furthermore, it allows them to understand the needs of the people around them and to customize or use a versatile approach to bring out the best in others. So, for example, if one colleague needed really firm direction, 
real use of authority, really a firm, strong voice in what needs to be done, if that matched their needs, they would thrive and do great work. But maybe another colleague really needed more of a hint, more of a suggestion, more coaching than advising. That would be the leader's opportunity to implement an alternate style to really bring out the best in that colleague, almost bring out the bright green, shiny leaves in that colleague to allow them to shine. So I like that example because it really shows us how it's hardwired why some people will thrive. And Berkman lets us understand what behavior we'll see from people and why when we know this information about them. We're talking about leadership effectiveness through versatility. Why is Berkman a better assessment than others, do you think, in this regard? There are a handful of reasons why it's really good at this. One is because of that focus on needs. That is not present in some of the other leadership instruments out there, and it really is a standout. It enables people to get what they want out of their environment so that they can thrive. And when we know the needs of others, we can harness the diversity and strength among members of the team. I think secondly, Berkman provides really positive feedback. It's a very non-judgmental instrument. No matter where a leader falls along a continuum, it's framed as very positive. The only catch is, is it the best in the moment? Working with other instruments, sometimes there are scores that make people feel bad, <laughs> that label or offer a harsh criticism or judgment. And Berkman really steers clear of that. Are there ways of customizing Berkman for individual leaders in particular situations? Berkman practitioners can customize different elements of the report based on a leader's goals. They can gather that data and offer a view on how a leader approaches business development. They could gather that data and provide a view of how to use influence styles. Again, they could use that data to make career recommendations. So it's really customizable. And finally, many business schools and their executive education organizations won't run a program without Berkman to start. There's a lot of good data that shows it's a really valuable tool. Let's say you're in a coaching engagement. When would you recommend using Berkman as a way of helping someone develop their versatility? There are two contexts where it is very impactful, leadership and executive coaching and team effectiveness. The examples we've given have really been focused on the leader. When they increase their self-awareness, when they are in some sort of leadership transition, maybe a new promotion, a new organization, these are the moments where we can rope this in for improved self-awareness, looking for alternative styles to use, and really engaging the talent and stakeholders around them. Secondly, team effectiveness is a really great place to employ Berkman toward leadership versatility. When teams can find common language, more objective wording for describing differences in style, it really allows them to problem solve where some of their conflicts have been, where miscommunication may have been, where misperception may have been. And so we like to use Berkman for team building programs because it allows understanding of a variety of styles. And again, really harnesses the strength of diversity 
to develop the collaboration, communication, and trust that allows leadership teams and executive teams to thrive. Do you have some examples, Lori, where using the Berkman method has paid off, especially in terms of developing leadership versatility? I would say one particular example stands out, and that was when a professional services leader told me that he completely customized his approach to year-end performance reviews. He had a Friday on his calendar at year-end, and he needed to deliver eight feedback sessions to eight different direct reports, and he used the data from each colleague's Berkman to pick an approach that would allow each individual to hear the information in a way that they could most easily accept and respond to it. So at 8 a.m., he sort of set his dial to deliver direct, unevasive, to the point feedback because he knew that would be best for that particular colleague. And then at 9 a.m., for example, he adjusted his leadership style and communication approach to be more careful, cautious, selective in his word choice to show respect for that colleague who really needed things to be packaged in a cautious, considerate way. That's an example of an individual leader being helped by this approach. Do you have an example of an executive team where Berkman helped them with their overall versatility? I would say another example would be in our work with executive teams where we see breakthroughs in knocking down some of the dynamics that hold teams back, knocking down assumptions, reducing misunderstandings. So one leader in a biotech firm told us that our work with Berkman for his executive team helped him use objective language to call out differences in how leaders used authority. One member of the executive team used to assert himself with real clarity and firmness. His intent was to provide clear direction on where he stood. However, once he learned that his colleagues responded much better to a low-key approach, maybe with more questions and suggestions, he adjusted that approach, again, using that leadership versatility, and the leaders had a breakthrough. So what used to be John is a heavy-handed jerk became... John is demonstrating a high usual approach, and I prefer a low usual approach. It can sound a little funny, but when teams have wording they can hold on to that doesn't sound too personal to call out differences, they can make these minor adjustments that lead to major breakthroughs. So let's say you've administered Berkman to a leader and to the leader's team. What is the ideal approach that you would propose in helping them? So the ideal offering is to select a work team, an executive team that really wants to grow in its productivity, its effectiveness. And the offering that I recommend most as a starting point for an organization is to offer each individual on that team a one-on-one to understand their own individual results and start practicing and working with that new knowledge, these new techniques, to really build up their skill set. As a second step in an engagement, it's bringing that whole team together to understand the team's profiles. Where do we fall as a group along a variety of continuums? How do we usually respond to each other? And what do we usually need? And what type of stress behaviors do we show as a group? And in that team dynamics, team building setting, really exciting unlocks can occur. People can see dynamics to decision-making 
that are helping or hindering. People can see approaches to how structured work should be or shouldn't be to bring out the whole team's dynamics. So this sort of one-two punch solution really allows individuals to be successful and allows teams to be much more high functioning. So that's a team's versatility. How do you know when a leader really is becoming more versatile? Whenever I'm speaking with leaders who tell me they have a particular style, I push back and tell them that they should have more than one. When I ask someone, how do you give feedback? Or how do you make decisions? Or how do you handle a sensitive feedback conversation? When they give me an answer, I tell them that they have more room to grow because they shouldn't have just one answer, they should have many. Ideally, high-performing leaders would say, it depends on the situation, Lori. It depends who I'm talking to, Lori. It depends on the goals, Lori. And if they do that, I know that they are a leader to watch and a leader we wanna really help to thrive. So ideally, I have a Berkman, my entire team has a Berkman, all my peers have Berkmans, but in lieu of that, what would you recommend I do today to start building my leadership versatility? So what if you don't have someone's Berkman? (laughs) What if you're a leader and you're trying to engage the best of a colleague without knowing a report with their ratings? One of the best things you could do is think about a question you could ask so you could learn about their preferences and then respond accordingly. A typical example would be if you're assigning a task to a colleague, you might say, how can I be most helpful to you? Should I outline the goals of this project and let you run with the approach? Or would you like to sit down and map out interim milestones, the first three phases of your work? When you can ask, how can I be most helpful and give someone two opposite options, they're likely to give you a really good answer. And once you know what they would respond to best, then stay in that lane. That's a great example. Do you have any others? A second example would be if a colleague were to call you and say, I'm really frustrated. You might say to them, how can I be most helpful? Would you like a thought partner to brainstorm solutions or would you like a place to vent and I just listen. Anytime you can move from how can I be helpful to how can I be helpful A or B, you're more likely to get good data from your colleague and exhibit the leadership style and collaboration style that would work best for them in the moment. So until you have the chance to learn through Berkman, these are some things you can be acting on right away. Lori, this is both challenging because it tells leaders that, hey, you can't just do things your way. You've got to think about who you're talking to, when you're talking to them, what their needs are as well. But it's very helpful too, because it opens the door to us developing that versatility. So thank you. It's really been a pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much.